Uh, thank you so much for having me. We, some of the first people we met coming out to Idaho um, was Dan and Kim. They, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, in the short amount of time, we've got to know them. And I'm sure that I'm telling you something that you already know. But your, your pastor and your pastor's wife uh, do it for the glory of God. And they're not, they're not living for the applause of man. I can promise you that. They are led by God, and they're answering that. And it's a privilege to know you guys. And uh, you've already been such a blessing in our lives. Thank you for that. And it's a privilege to be before you anytime uh, that you're asked as, uh, as a pastor or anytime to be in front of God's church. I want you to know that I take that. Whether or not you enjoy it, that's on you. <laughs> but I take that very seriously. Um, it's God's church. And so um, it's important. I, I know how important you are. you are. You are special. If you don't know that tonight, you're a creation of the living God. If you don't know that yet, I hope you figured that out tonight. And tonight's the night that that change could happen for you. Uh, it's a pleasure to fill in for Dan. Uh, I am originally an Idaho boy. I grew up in Idaho Falls. I was born in Rexburg, Idaho, and not a Mormon. Not many, not many can hold that claim, but <clears throat> that's a miracle in itself. It's a long story. Uh, right down the street when I was, uh, man, I was 10 years old, I shot my first pheasant right outside of Rupert with a bold action 410. I'll never forget that. I was with my grandfather, and it was roosters only, and I was so excited, and Right, we didn't, weren't in the field 10 minutes, and boom, they run up, and I heard my grandfather, hen, boom, I nailed it, hen, we weren't supposed to shoot a hen, but my first cousin was a hen, and he stuffed it in his pocket and said, we'll just try to forget that one. Uh, absolute true story on that. So my dad grew up in Paul, the metropolis out there, Paul, Idaho. Well, turn in your Bibles, will you, with me, we're going to be in 1 Timothy 6, and verses 11 through uh, 21. I'm reading out of the ESV. So if, uh, the ESV is pretty close to being the New King James. The good news is the New King James, the ESV, the New American Standard all come to the same conclusion. Jesus is Lord. So I just want you to know that. I'm going to jump right in and I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'll read it as we go. And I'm going to start right here in verse 11, and I'm going to give a little recap of just where we're at, because we're finishing off 1 Timothy. So 1 Timothy 6, verse 11 says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. I know you guys have just been coming through, uh, Dan was telling me through some discipleship teachings, discipling someone. Um, Timothy, the young disciple of Paul. And Paul loved Timothy. And you might, when you read a little bit about Timothy, you might hear some commentators say things like, you know, Timothy really, that's why Paul really had to let him, let him have it and let him know because he was young. And, but Timothy was... I believe really highly thought of, you got to understand this is the apostle Paul and he's just left him in charge of the entire church of Ephesus. I was telling the men here tonight how much I appreciate them because as we step to church, I know when you leave your church, you don't just think who's the most talented, you think who's the most faithful. 
who's going to take care of the sheep while they're away? And I'm standing with these two men. And of course, Kim and I go, these, these are the ones. It's a privilege to be in there with them. It is. And that was Timothy because Paul has taken off to Macedonia and he's, he's left there with directions for Timothy because a lot of false teaching, many things going on. And he charged him, gave him direct orders to take care of those false teachers as he left. And you got to remember that he has, when he first went up through Derby and Lystra, and you can say Lystra depending on what, <laughs> what accent you have. But when he first went through Lystra, you know, that's when he had uh, evangelized that area And Timothy's family had come to the Lord. And then on the second missionary journey, remembering and seeing how Timothy had grown, he takes him with him. And wow, that's that's how we learn. On-the-job training, faithfulness, learning and going through imprisonments and so many things. And then back to Ephesus and leaves Timothy in charge. And he says, O man of God. Now we're reminding him here at the end, Paul closes and reminding him here of things to take care of, but also to watch out for these false teachers again. And he calls him, oh man of God, another nudge, another, you know, uh, encouragement. I searched this phrase in the fancy Bible software that you can have now. Maybe some of you have that. I searched this phrase and it's used over 78 times in, in 73 verses in the Bible most of it found in the Old Testament. And it's not used for just anyone. Guys like Moses, David, Elijah. And here in the New Testament, only twice. In Timothy here, and then of course in 2 Timothy 3.17, which we'll, we'll read in a little bit. But Paul's like saying, wow, wow, Timothy, God's hand is upon you, Timothy. So flee these things of which we just spoke, which he was talking about being content. Flee materialism uh, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Those, those verses were just right before this. Flee desires of the flesh. As Paul told the Galatian church, Galatians 5.17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want. Isn't that interesting? You want to do. Flee the desires of the flesh. And then he says, pursue Timothy. But this is interesting. Think about it like this. Pursue Timothy. Not just Timothy. Pursue Christian. The book that's meant for us today, who you were going to pursue righteousness. And we're going to come back to that. I'm going to leave that for the end. Pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Living with a, a true reverence of God. Being godlike. Pursue faith. Or better yet, even that can be translated. Faithfulness. Pursue love. Kindness. And goodwill. To those around you. And then I love this. Pursue steadfastness. A definition one was firmly resolved with endurance and patience to your call. I love that one. Because over the years I've met lots of guys and gals who can quote scripture left and right. But I want you to always remember that Satan can quote scripture better than you. Yet he's the devil and until I walk with you, until I see some steadfastness, until I see some firmness, I'm not, I'm not all in. I'm, <laughs> I gotta know. 
There's nothing better than faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who have been through the battle together and been through some stuff. Because, you know, they just got it. I know they got it. And, of course, back to what I said I would end with was righteousness. See me shaking? That's, you intimidate me. Sure, God's true. God does. I fear him greatly. But pursue righteousness. And you want to put that real simply, it's just pursue what is right. Pursue what is right. Here's, a, here's an interesting thing. I, I want to quote this. This is from the Baker Encyclopedia, actually, the Bible Encyclopedia. It says, righteousness, conformity to a certain set of expectations which vary from role to role. Righteousness is fulfilled of the expectations in any relationship, whether with God or other people, it is applicable at all levels of society and relevant in area in every area of life. Therefore, righteousness denotes the fulfilled expectations in relationships between man, a wife, parents, and children, fellow citizens, employer, employee, merchant, customers, ruler, citizens, and God and man. See, Christians, we know the right thing because what is right is God. And so when I see Christians who set the bench in life, I'll be honest with you, it frustrates me. I know um, pastors who, and, and God bless them, they're great sermon givers, but sometimes I'm like, do anything else besides, do you move in that faith of what you just said? Even us in the church, right? So we should be involved. I'm telling you, this is one reason we're, we're in the, I believe, just me personally, why we're in some of the, the predicaments we're in now. Because we didn't want to be on the school board anymore, and we didn't want to be on the, the city council, and we didn't want to be the mayor, because we've been taught that the church is supposed to be hands-off. We're supposed to be hands-on. We'll be about his work. God's going to do what God's going to do, but we're going to be about his work until he returns. So do what is right. That's why I say always, I always say dive, and you've heard this many times, but first we have to dive into the word so that we can be doers of the word, not hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, James 1.22. We are to train in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16-17, through 17, which I said I would read. Love it. You guys probably know it, but always beautiful to hear. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That Scripture means a lot to me. I'll just share this quickly. Um, when I knew that God had spoken to me, not you know, actual words, but moved me and pressed upon me to answer the call of an overseer. Um, you know, you like to think you're brave and, oh, I answered the call. And, <laughs> and I ran. I was like, no, I, I know, all I know is that one verse where people, if you make them stumble a lot or something, it's like, I, I, I don't know if I want that. And I remember fighting that. And I was sitting in a, a, ch- a church service in uh, Chino Hills. And Jack Hibbs was preaching. And General Boynton was there. 
and was preaching about being a watchman. But I remember there's probably 2,000 people there, and that just, God just, I knew I had to answer that call. And I had this overwhelming feeling, saying, Lord, I feel like I, I know, I'm so excited, no one else in the room cared or knew, but I was having this moment with the Lord, and I wanted to tell someone, and I was like, Lord, I'd really like to let Jack know that, or one of those, or Boynton know that, that I, I heard that, I received the call right now, and then I thought, that's so silly. I, I don't need to impress them, Lord. If, I don't know why I'm feeling that. And I, I just literally prayed, I said, God, if, if you want me to tell them that, I don't need that. I can leave here right now. Put them in front of my face to where I can't deny it. Right then, a hand grabbed me on the shoulder. It was my friend Daniel who had taken me to that service. And he goes, you're going to love this. Come here. (laughs) And he knocks on the door. And it's a big door. And he opens it up. And I didn't know, but we were at the, it was a green room like this, but you know, that church is massive, right? And, And we were in Jack's office and there was no one there but Jack and General Boynton. And General Boynton was, talking like a general. And I said, stop! <laughs> and General Boynton looked at me with eyes that big. I don't think anybody had ever told that man to stop. <laughs> and I said, I have to tell you what's happening because I prayed and I know that's why I'm here and this is more important. And I want to thank you for your, you know, for standing. And Jack stood up, grabbed me. He goes, give this 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 right now and pray with me. We read that scripture. So I'm sorry I went down reminisce lane right there. But that... That scripture played an important role in my life, but it's for you too. God's word is for you, and it's good for all things for you. You're no less important than any pastor or anything. You're, you're part of the church, and where you're moving, you are needed. And stand on his truth. He finished at verse 12, um, and verse 12, going to his direct calling, and I feel like you can just hear Paul's passionate call to Timothy here, because he says, oh man of God. And then, of course, the the famous words, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Isby says about fight, that word, it says to, to go out to battle, to take in the battle. The word itself can mean struggle or strive. In other words, we're to, we're to go out. We're to go out and get in the fight. But not like man does, not like humans do. It's easy in our, in our, in our sin nature to go right back into that, right? We want to be just like Peter, right? Oh, slice off the ear. I'll protect you, God. God doesn't need your protection. We don't fight like that. As Paul said to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, reading this from the NLT, he says, we are human, but we don't wage war like humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And I love this, the way this translates says, we capture their rebellious thoughts Teach them to obey Christ. That means you got to deal with some stuff. You got to deal with uh, the ugliness that comes from, from from where some of you and even myself were. It wasn't all that long ago that we were. Remember the words of Jesus: "Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do." 
Remember that when you have that tenacious one that wants to fight. Boy, there was a, there was a joke recently by the, sometimes see those, I'm sorry. I hope I don't upset anybody, but that, that Babylon Bee has some funny jokes sometimes. And, but sometimes they're funny because, you know, they're so true. And it made a joke about this guy that went on a missionary trip to Africa. And I can't remember that. But he went there. He went to Africa to do a missionary trip to Africa so he didn't have to witness to Tom or Frank next door. Because that's harder. He'll fight back. He's angry. But he deserves to hear. You know why he deserves to hear? Because he's created in God's image. He's not a child of God yet. He's a creation of God. But he deserves or she deserves to hear. And so we go out and fight. It's, it's interesting. I, my dad was a, a Vietnam veteran. In, in a, he was in the Navy. He's deaf now. From the, they didn't used to have all the, the really good headgear. <laughs> so he can't hear anymore. He's firing the guns off the ship. And we've talked some about this, but you know, there's bravery in war. It's a different kind of bravery. But it's interesting. Men sometimes can be that kind of brave. Run at a machine gun, run into death and see death. And deathly fear talking to Frank next door. Fight the good fight of faith. It's a different strength. It's not your strength. It's his strength. And just know that he's working. Just go there with a good motive or wherever that is and your love. And just know that God's working. And don't worry about the, the result. It's plant seed. Because you see, evangelism and discipleship is a battlefield. And your adversary is firmly planted there to upset you and, and get you to stop, to get you not to be there. And he tells, that's why he says, take hold. He says in the rest of that verse, finishing out 12, take hold of eternal life to which you were called, about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He's not telling Timothy, take hold of eternal life. Be saved now. We know he's saved. Saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ to eternal life. But he's telling him, take hold of that now. Keep your focus on heaven. See, and I don't want to get I'm too off track, but I'm all for being prepared. I love that. I, I, I own weapons. <laughs> Build up your food storage. Sure, it's great. But I'm telling you, if God says tomorrow you're coming home, uh, I'll be using your food storage. It's not going to matter. God who started a good work in me, he knows when he began it, and I'm not leaving until that's done. And live in that strength. Look forward to that. It's not that you shouldn't be prepared or any of those things, but I'm just saying, live in that confidence. Take hold of eternal life now. Keep your focus on heaven. Be faithful. Grow in your obedience to Christ. Because, as the New American Standard notes, because obedient Christians can be instruments to bring salvation to others. Imagine that. You never know. We've had youth kids. I was a youth pastor for a long time. And we've had youth kids call us back. Um, one who's, he'll, before he takes off, he, he, he launches special rockets off of a big naval ship. And he can never tell me where he's going. Yeah, I just want to let you know, I'm leaving. But I want to tell you that I'm a part of a Bible study and I'm praying and, we're, and I'm like, man, this, I thought the kid never listened. And many youth pastors will tell you that. You know, mom and dad drug them there. I'm here again. Yep. And you're with me. <laughs> but you don't know. You don't know what God's doing. Just be faithful. 
Let him fight and be faithful what he's called to do. Keep your focus on heavens. As Paul said to the Colossians in uh, chapter 3, verse 2, set your minds on things above, not the things of the earth. So take hold, Timothy, to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now this confession, this good confession of faith in the presence of many witnesses, most likely, most theologians believe that's probably I won't say, but it's probably uh, his baptism uh, during, his, during that first missionary journey and his good confession of believing in Christ that took place there in the Lystra Derby area somewhere. In short, Timothy and us, us Christians today, we just always, every day, we need to keep our, our minds on what's above knowing that our confidence comes from Christ, not, not ourselves, and, and fight the good fight of faith. That's why Paul says to, to press on. We press on towards Christ, focused on the target. I love what Paul shared with the Philippians in Philippians 3. Let me just share this with you. This is 10 through 12. This is also from the NLT. He says, Paul says, listen to these words. I, I want to know that I, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. It's so honest. Listen, I, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. I press on. Uh, leave the mirror. Leave, leave the mirror. Be content with what you have. and Leave the mirror of self and, and, and press on to what God's called you to do. Seek the kingdom of heaven first and his righteousness and all else will be added to you. Pray. Press on. The good fight of faith. That's why we're here. So many don't know because we're good at coming to the seat. We're good at having biblical arguments of who knows the most job Tom's your neighbor still remember him verses 13 and 14 here it comes again I charge you I charge you Timothy and listen to this you want, whoo, I, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things, the creator of everything, the sovereign God of the universe. I I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Jesus Christ, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. He does charge Timothy, but he doesn't want... Timothy to be a hmm, pastor. He doesn't want Timothy to be a okay. He wants him to be good, just like a good coach. You're better than this. I charge you, take this on, Timothy. In the presence of God, he gives him an example from Jesus himself. Listen to this. I, this is so amazing to me every time I hear this. Remember, he bore witness of the truth. He bore witness of himself in the face of death with Pontius Pilate, the governor of all Judea, now, just think, we hear this, and I think we just walk past it. This is the guy that it's over 
freedom, no freedom, slave, no slave, you're out. I can end this for you, your life right now. In the face of death, it was the whole purpose that Jesus was born. Don't believe me? Listen to Jesus' words. John 18, 37 from the ESV said, Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king? For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And we have to remember that's, that's the purpose. That's the good fight of faith, that we need to be able to deliver the gospel, deliver the truth and the love of Christ no matter where we go. So even as we go into the fight at our, at our, at our city council and we go into the fight with our, our school boards that are, what are they doing, right? We have to remember that even though we see those people and they're lost and they are at this moment working for the adversary, that they matter enough that we need to charge in, do what's right for morality, and at the same time, be a citizen of heaven and be an ambassador for Christ and love those people that are hating the name of Jesus, just like some of us did not too long ago. Too much is given, much is required. But go and trust God. Charge you, Timothy, keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of Lord Jesus. Let's put it this way. Paul is saying, through obedience to Jesus, pursue righteousness. Do what is right in all things. He who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. Preach the gospel boldly, just like Jesus did, even in the face of death until his return. In other words, Timothy, always be ready. Because I'm going to tell you, Jesus told us many ways of his appearing will be. But one, he compares it to the speed and power of a lightning strike. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 27, for as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Boom! Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word. Be ready. In season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Just tonight before I got here, there was a, a young man that I've known for years. I've known him since he was almost 12. He's not a young man anymore. He's got three kids. And he got asked out of the blue to go on a, a talking show on some blog, something. But it's like goes out nationally. He goes, they just asked me a minute ago to, and he called me, they just asked me a minute ago to read the Christmas story of Jesus, but they want me to like do a teaching on it. And I go, they asked you two hours ago. Yeah, they just asked me, like somebody was going to do that, but then uh, they, didn't, they didn't show up, so they wanted me to do it. I go, okay. I go, are you ready? Well, I, that's why I was asking you. I don't really, I don't really feel ready. You're supposed to be ready. I go, read the story. If nothing else, just... Don't worry about what you think you are as a teacher. Just read God's word and tell them it's the truth. You're ready enough to do that. (laughs) 
But don't go above and beyond what you think is ready because that's you. That's you being ready. But be ready and opportunities here. In season, out of season, be ready, Christians. Verses 15 and 16. He will display, as he's telling Timothy, he will display at the proper time, he who is blessed and only sovereign, king of kings, lord of lords, who alone is immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And you, if you've listened to this uh, preached before. You've probably heard this said before. Because, but Paul does this actually a few times. It kind of just feels like, amen, like that, that should be it, right? Like that's the end. But, and this is just me personally, but you'll see this as like, we got to remember, they, don't, they can't cut and paste and move stuff up. And it's like, oh, there's a few more things I wanted to tell them. <laughs> so when we come down to 17, you'll see he has a few more thoughts. But that would have been a great end, right? But he doesn't end here. He will have more 17 through 21. But he, he ends, he's, so he's bringing this great picture here. And I love, I love Paul's picture with his words because it's for Timothy and it's for us. Be ready. He will appear at the proper time. So don't worry about that. Just be ready because you don't know the time. Jesus told us, right? No one knows the time. Mark 13, 32, but concerning the day or the hour, no one knows, but even the angels in the heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Once again, it's your, it's your picture of truth to build your faith and serve God here on earth. It's simply God, think about this, God who is with us. I tell you to remind you, God who is with us is bigger than anything you're facing. We just, we just came back from California because we had to go bury one of our dear friends. There was nothing convenient about it. We had to run, come back, do church, do the whole thing. But like tonight, you're sitting in this church with fellow believers, hopefully. We're all believers. I don't know. It's between you and the Lord. I hope so. But um, God gave us, Jesus gave us a commandment, and that's to love your brother, to love each other. And I'm telling you, as you, many of you already know, but I, as you serve as a pastor, unfortunately, you have to deal with that a lot is people come and they're gone fast. Nobody's promised tomorrow. Life is but a vapor, the Bible tells us. Take, love the person you're with tonight. The argument you had coming here or whatever it was, let it go. You win. You win. <laughs> Sometimes it's funny how that just breaks the, it's like, are they more mature in the Lord than me? argue about that <laughs> but just just love them seriously love them love the people next to you it's worth it they can be gone so fast he is bigger than everything you have that is facing he's the creator of all things he is the blessed sovereign he's the blessed and only sovereign king of kings lord of lords that means he is a supreme sovereignty over everything he knows all things he created all things he is in control and as you guys probably know, when he returns, that heaven's opened up. He's going to be on that white horse and he's going to have eyes of flames and, and a sword that comes from his mouth and a robe that's dipped in blood and he is not messing around. And at the end of Revelation, and then Revelation there, it tells us, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, 
King of kings, Lord of lords. That's our Father. I'm going to tell you, I, I encourage myself. <laughs> I preach to myself because I got to remember who my Father is. I know I can't do it, but Lord, I know you put me here and I'm going to move in that. And if you think I'm crazy tonight <laughs> or anybody else says, I don't care because I'm moving for Jesus. And you do that. Move with that confidence. Every time I get shaken in the world, Lord, I know you're in control. It's the only reason we're still going. He tells him in that verse, God alone has immortality who dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Moses knew, right? Don't approach me, Moses. You're going to burn. <laughs> he told him in Exodus 33:20, 20, uh, but he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. For uh, John, John 1.18, the apostle John tells us, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him, but who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Of course, we don't see God. We can't be in the Father's presence and not in this. He got his spirit. The new King James Notes, and I just love this. It's just a simple note, but so true. God became visible to human eyes in the man Jesus. It is through seeing the Son that we see God. We cannot see him today, but we can know him through his words. And I love, I love that verse because that's when you're, if you ever get off on a rabbit trail, I hope you don't, on some YouTube videos, and you see someone saying, oh, I saw the Lord, I saw God face to face. File 13, as Don Stewart used to say, through it. <laughs> Get rid of it. Well, I thought that was going to be good. Put that to the side. <laughs> so be encouraged, people, you who know God, you who love God and whatever you face, because God is the sovereign God of the universe who is with us and he is for us. Um, yeah, I'll share this. So it, at the self-edit, at the, at the funeral, um, it's a man who's on our board, and he's one of my, he's a rocket scientist. The first time I met him, he was so smart, but he's just so down to earth, and he's so funny, and he was, he's, and I'm always like, he's really smart. And I go, what are you, a rocket scientist? And he's like, Yeah. Oh, okay. Makes sense. But he's a great guy, and his family is very faithful. And, but their family has a lot of challenges, and I know them because I know them closely, and they have a, a large section of their family that doesn't know the Lord, and, and they're smart too. You know, smarter than God, they think. Um, And, and that's a very challenging moment, but what was great is Johnette, who had passed away, was a strong believer. And I knew the very thing she wanted for her family. Funerals are a lot more fun to do than weddings, by the way. <laughs> and they're joyous because you get to preach the word of God. But they don't know, you know, they're thinking that they're a cosmic accident. From nothing came Everything. I don't, you and I both, we don't have enough faith for that. From nothing comes nothing. 
And you share that with them. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Neither. Because God always was. God's eternal. He's the everlasting, the everlasting. So everything had a beginning. It came from him. And you remember that, man. You are a majority wherever you walk. You don't have to worry about being alone or if 20 other people got on your side and took up your cause. If God's led you to that, you move in faith. So Paul adds some extra thoughts before he leaves us here. Verse 17, before he closes this letter. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to be arrogant or excessively proud, nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides for us in everything to enjoy. Yeah, we live, we live in this fallen world and it, it is a shame that some people think that they have a lot more worth than you. It's true because they have a lot more stuff than you. Um, Emily and I, and I won't go into that whole thing, but we met in Burbank, California. Emily ran a big acting studio. Neither one, Emily, I would say, was backslidden. I didn't know the Lord at all. Not looking back, I wouldn't have known any of that then. But it literally, God had, and I had to say, he's privileged me. I, I've sat around, uh, I worked in Hollywood for many years, made my living as an actor, and I got to, for about a couple of years, and I got to be around some of the richest people in the world, in the most jealous city probably in the world, covetous city, and people drawn to their, their money and, and what they have, and it's, uh, there was one neighborhood, I remember, that was down by, down by Newport, and they call it the one percenters, the, that's just full of mansions, and most of them are empty, because it's just one of their mansions from all over the world. And they put a lot of worth in that. And they, I remember wanting so bad not knowing the Lord and, and trying to move up that chain in Hollywood and trying to, I'm worth enough and, and trying to impress them with my abilities and skills. And, and it was never enough because I didn't have an, enough. And don't, don't get it wrong here. You know, Paul's not saying, hey, you know, if you're rich, that's really bad. He's not saying that. Or if, or if you're rich, that's wrong. He's not saying any of that. But he is telling believers who, who are wealthy, listen, order, order the rich believers to be wise with their money. Now, here's some, some good uh, wisdom literature for you from the Proverbs dealing with this kind of a balance. I think of this, this as a prayer. Listen to this, Proverbs 37 through 9. And again, I'll read this from the NLT. It says, oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never tell a lie. Uh, Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I am poor, I may still and thus insult God's holy name. We got to know this. Be content in all things because it's all God's. I want to share this with with you because I have an interesting take on this. I didn't know it was going to be interesting until God brought me back to Idaho. I I left here uh, to play baseball and go to California. And I was one of those Idaho kids that living with big dreams and wanted to go there. Baseball was kind of my excuse to go to Hollywood. I didn't want to tell anybody I was going there to play to go to Hollywood. 
But I did that. But I couldn't wait. Couldn't wait to go. I got to California. Guess what? Everybody made fun of me because where I was from. Because I was from Idaho. I've heard every potato joke there is. My dad actually worked on a potato farm when I was little. (laughs) You know? So I was like, man, I just want to hide the fact that I was in Idaho. And now, of course, all the Californians are here. So in Idaho. And then I come back, and they're calling me a Californian. I don't know who to hate. I'm sorry, I don't hate anyone, but uh, <laughs> but the point of saying that is, is it can fill you up inside, right? Because I grew up right next to Fort Hall Indian Reservation. I had friends that came to school there. I have a whole bunch of people that tell you none of you are from Idaho. But I beg to tell them they're not from Idaho either because this is God's land. He's going to take it. It's his. It's not ours. God didn't have a place to lay his head, Jesus, when he was here. And we need to take care of it. Job knew this, of course. I want to just remind you of a quick prayer that Job had right before. And God allowed it, but before Satan took his property and took his whole family, Job said in Job one twenty one, and he said, "Naked I came into my mother's womb. Naked I came in. I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord." So, my point of saying that is, don't worry about who's come here from California. It's not theirs, and it certainly is not yours. It's not any of ours. We're to be about God's work. Be about God's work and what he wants us to do and and put that materialism and who has the best house and who all that, as Chuck used to say, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. If you've let your green idol be a little in front, be careful, it can lead you to great despair. Meaning green, meaning money. There was a bridge uh, some of you may be from California. You may know, if you, if you know this area, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. I used to drive into Pasadena when I, when I first met Emily. I ran a big gym there. I used to drive in every morning from Burbank. And you go across this bridge and right off to it's this other bridge, and it's very famous. But it's famous for a bad reason. Everyone there officially, un- unofficially, but officially knows it as Suicide Bridge. Um. It was built, it was, it was, it during, I can't remember the exact time it was built, but from 1929 to 1933 during the Depression. Over 50 people just during that time jumped from that because of despair of their loss of what they had because they identified with that. I lost everything. There's been over 150 people at least that have jumped off and died since then because their despair of their lack of whatever they're lacking in their lives. Because they have no hope. They don't know how important they are. See, because the moment you know the truth of how important you are is the minute to go, oh, you're that important too. Because <laughs> you know the true importance of who you are in Christ is to immediately know how important all of God's creations are and you have hope and you have worth. 
so that you're not lost in despair to jump. But whatever comes, God has a reason. He has a purpose. And God, if I leave today, at least I'll be in your presence. To die is gain, Paul said. I'll be home with you. But be my hope. You are my hope. Let me live in it. Let me be strong in it. Keep that bridge far from me, whatever that bridge is for your life. Don't get caught in that despair. I understand. I've been in that place. I've been on that long drive at over 100 speed thinking about taking it into a pole. I've spun the revolver. I know what it's like to have, so I'm glad that I don't wish that was would have never happened, but I can sympathize for the person who's caught in the lie of depression of who they're not. Fight the good fight of faith. Tell them the truth. Love on them. Seek them in prayer. It's all going to burn. 18 and 19, we'll get there. I'm doing okay. 45. <laughs> I thought I was going to have like 15 minutes and we wouldn't know what to do. 18 and 19 said, they're, they're, they are to do good to the rich. They are to do good. To be rich in good works, to be generous, to be ready to share, being givers, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Listen, it's great. If you're a little older and you're retired because you did well, good for you. If you're young and you're retired, I'm be honest, I'm a little jealous. Good for you. That's awesome. But don't just sit there and just do what's good for you. And just live in for yourself. Be, be a good giver. Specialize in good works. Be generous. Be a good giver. Get more involved. You have more time to serve the Lord. Listen, believers that are wealthy and mature, <laughs> amen. I'm glad. They helped all kinds of great stuff. And they're out there. Uh, in and out Burger in California is one of those who's maintained. I was just at TPUSA um, with Charlie Kirk and those guys. Uh, down in California, I went to the, they had the first pastors summit down there, which was really interesting. But uh, that, you know, that's been a Christian family, and the, the kids and stuff have kind of taken that over. But they're maintaining, walking in that. You know, they don't just they don't just put Bible verses on the cups. They live those Bible verses on the cups, and they stayed open during COVID in in California. Yeah, it's a big deal. And they were there, and it's just. But so I'm saying, there's company. There's a lot of companies like that. That are, that are believers and, are, and are, are successful. And don't be mad at your brother and sister in Christ who just seems to make money at everything they do. Hey, some people are just really gifted at that. I just wasn't one of them. <laughs> but you know, hey, if they're faithful and they're good, you know, pray for them. Pray, they'll be, pray for their wisdom with it. Pray for them to do great with that. Wealthy, mature, generous believers are encouraged, though, to store, as well as you, you and I, to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven. As you might recall, Jesus preaching the Beatitudes, Matthew six nineteen through 20, the Lord says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And I, 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 I hope you to pray that, Lord. I don't, I don't know what all that is in heaven. 
it's got to be good. It's happening to you. It's got to be good. And I want some of that. And, and, and uh, I want to quit. We have that natural nature to take credit for stuff, right? Or when somebody gets healed, oh, I prayed for that. <laughs> good job. It's your reward. No, but I'm just saying that. I'm just saying, you know, it's hard. Our human nature is just so stinky. So it's just like, Lord, help me not do that. Just let me, let me just do it. If no one looks, will you serve? If nobody tells you you're the best servant, will you serve? Will you serve me? I know this one well because God took me to the woodshed many times on this. Will you serve? The answer has to be yes, just like Peter. Where else will we go? Who else is there? There's only you, God. And what did Jesus tell him? He told him, told him what his death was going to be. He feed for the third time, feed my sheep. And he sees John, the popular one. He sees John. What about him? Don't worry about him, basically, right? Don't worry about him if he doesn't go on death. Don't worry about what I do with your brother or your sister, who's the big pastor, who just cleans the floors. You serve me, feed my sheep. Pastors need to hear that more. They're not ours. In other words, be more concerned, always Christian, about your eternal plan than your five or ten year financial plan. That's all good. You should plan. You should be well planned. And I've been blessed by people who are really, really great at those things. Worked for some companies who did that well. But I would would have such sadness because it was all about that plan. There was no other plan. That was it. Who, the plan really was who has the most, is the most, and then you die. And leave it to chance. But there is no chance for them. They're the walking dead. But it's a great time to say, and do you have the courage to say, this is great. And I, you guys are such great planners, but is, is there, what happens when we die? What, are you going to leave that to chance? Do you have an eternal plan? Well, I'm not going to say that. They might think, I'm, I'm weird. Jesus, freak, you are. <laughs> You've been called that? <laughs> the first time I was called that, I was like, if you knew my past, you would never call me that. But I'm so glad that someone would call me that. We'll finish here, and we're not doing... Uh, worship at the end, right? Okay. So verses 20, we're almost done. Verses 20, 21. Oh, Timothy. So he's closing here. First Timothy. Oh, Timothy, guard. Keep watch. Oh, Timothy, guard. The deposit entrusted to you. I'm going to come back to that. The deposit entrusted to you. Avoid irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Whereby professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. So, you know, Timothy, keep watch uh, of the deposit that's been entrusted to you. And I really look at that even bigger because it's, it's the gospel, obviously, that's been entrusted to you. But everything since, I've been discipling you. I've been with you. You've been walking the walk. You've been on the job, training as we go, and everything you've heard. Not only the gospel, not only uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but all scripture. All scripture is God's word. All scripture. Uh, protect it all. 
And don't get caught up with other ones who are going into those, those false teachers who have uh, that babble, worthless, pointless, foolish talk with false opposition, calling it knowledge. For some have swerved, some have departed from the faith. Take no other gospel. If you hear any other gospel from us or even from an angel, that man is accursed. To go very much further than the Wasatch Front to watch one of the biggest falls of all time in the LDS Church, which part of my family, my mom, who was married in the temple before she was the chain breaker in our family, praise God, received a false gospel from a false angel or false, maybe, maybe a fallen angel, Moroni. It's serious. And they're out there today. And now it's become more subtle. It's like changing of a definition. It's like changing of the word. I'll be careful. I'll get caught up in those contradictions. Just know your truth. And by the way, just as a side point, your best apologetic is to know your truth. Some people, we get to know God and we spend so much time studying Jehovah's Witness and Islam, and which is all fine, but, and, and LDS, but you've actually studied that more than you know your own truth. If you know your own truth well enough, you go, hey, wait a minute, that's not true. Where did that come from? Say, your best apologetics, know your truth. Know your truth better than your opposition knows their lie. I hope you're standing on solid ground. I hope that you know the Lord. There's been many people that have sat in church and found out after years, they, ah, I'm not saved. There's been pastors in pulpits who have taught for years and found out preaching the word of God. It's absolutely true that they weren't saved. Um, have courage. Go out and press on tonight. Ask God, where is it that I serve? As you go, the Great Commission. Go into all the world. What's, as you go, wherever he has you, whatever's around you, serve. Say, God, let me be aware. Let me have your discernment. And love people enough to tell them the truth. But tell them in love because you desire that they will one day be in heaven with you. We're not going to argue anyone into heaven, are we? The good fight of faith. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for... I thank you so much for this church out here in, in Mountain Home, Lord what it's already, how it's already touched us and how it's touching this whole community. Father, thank you. I bless, I just thank you to bless, please bless it from wall to wall, door to door, from the youngest to the oldest. Um, to serve you well, give it longevity, this church and everyone in it. Protect pastor and his wife and all the servants here, all the body of Christ and how they serve. Bless them, Lord. Let them be encouraged from your word tonight that uh, wherever they are, they are a force for you and and you didn't ask them to set the bench. You asked them to be in. Lord, show them. Give them direction of how to get in, to go out and get in the good fight of faith. Bless them to serve mightily, Lord. You are a mega church with one Christian, Lord. We don't need to sit in a church at 10,000 to be powerful because you are powerful. Let us rest in that, Lord, and let us serve boldly in it. 
that many more may, may join and be able to come to heaven, Lord. I, Lord, you said we could ask anything, and I often do, so I ask you again, and hopefully it's in agreement with my brothers and sisters, Lord, could you increase that number? So many of us have been forgiven for so much. We want you to come quickly, but man, if you're coming super fast, Lord, can we just increase that number faster so that many may come home? Please work through us. Let us be effective for the kingdom of heaven, for the kingdom of heaven and winning souls. Only you can do that, but let us be effective in that. Use us for that. All good works, Lord, we thank you. Lord, if anyone would have prayer tonight, I thank you that they wouldn't, they wouldn't hold back, that they would find someone either here or myself or anyone in and get that taken care of, Lord. But we just thank you for who you are and being with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, you guys have a blessed week. Thanks for having me.